Welcome to the J-Boy Show, hosted by Jake Crane, the fastest-growing sports show in the nation. I'm Coach Hugh Freeze. This is Super Bowl champion Brandon Graham. Hey, this is DJ Shockley, and you're watching. And you're watching. Hey, thanks for watching the J-Boy Show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us again. We got the best, one of the best, if not the best, uh, pre-NFL draft specials here on Draft Day. Uh, and couldn't think of a better guest than the, than the guy we're bringing on. Uh, Going to intro him in one second. Uh, really pumped about uh, talking with him and, and a little SEC flavor. We're going to get into that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Before we give a shout to betonline.ag, head over there today. The online casino, it's always open. Uh, obviously, with the draft, if you're making some bets on props, uh, however you want to do it, who's getting picked where. We know a lot of people have fun with that. We also have Major League Baseball racing golf anything head over to betonline.ag today they got the best sign up bonuses and they're going to put the sharps out they're going to play with you and tell them that jay boy sent you but without further ado uh let me bring in from uh nfl on cbs uh former sec uh football player from the university of tennessee uh you see him all over the tv especially this time of year and it's mr charles davis charles i really appreciate you coming on man i know it's a crazy time of year right now hey thanks for having me on look it's funny when we talk about how crazy time of year is for everyone. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, we've all lived through the last year with COVID. Mm-hmm. We hope that we're seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. We're not there yet, but you know, look, it's been crazy for everyone. We're all just trying to navigate it, adjust, adapt, whatever buzzwords we're supposed to use. And since it's <laughs> NFL draft, since it's NFL draft season, we're all going to talk in buzzwords because that's all we do this time of year. That's exactly right. And, and from having a, a somewhat normal spring practice for the colleges and moving to have somewhat more of a normal draft, uh, like you say, you know, we're getting there and, and it's good to see. And, you know, there's a lot of storylines. There always is, Charles, with NFL draft, you know, whose stock's rising, whose stock's falling, this, that, and the other. And, and quarterback is obviously something that, that's been brought to the forefront. And this year, uh, it's a very interesting quarterback draft class. We've had ebb and flow like we normally do. Uh, but do you think we're going to see quarterbacks taken in the first three picks? I mean, it's you could basically say a foregone conclusion that Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, but uh, do you think we're going to see three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks? I do. And, and, and you're right about Trevor Lawrence. And look, when, when the team that holds the number one pick has a conversation with a person who's potentially the number one pick and says, eh, why don't you, why don't you do your pro day early before your surgery so that you can heal up. And <laughs> we just kind of would like to get a look. You kind of know it's a lock, right? Yeah. And, and so, and so they took care of that. The Jets, the momentum that got built, because for the longest time we were talking about would they keep Sam Darnold? Would they possibly trade back and get some more players to build around Sam Darnold? Because the draft capital of that number two pick is pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. And then Zach Wilson had his pro day. He lit it up, going along with his tape from the last couple of seasons. We didn't hear any more conversation, did you? Uh, everything went radio silent and the, okay, so let's, let's lock, let's, let's ink him in at number two, Zach Wilson. (laughs) Number three, I think became a quarterback as soon as San Francisco made the big move to move up to number three. Yeah. Because let's just be frank about the whole thing. We've seen big moves up the board for other positions, but that's more the exception than the rule. I remember sitting there in radio city music hall when, when the Falcons went, I think from 27 to seven, and took Julio yeah. Jones. Yeah. I forgot exactly where we were a few years ago when the Saints made a big move from in the 20s to, I believe, 12. And we thought, oh, are the Saints coming for a quarterback? And I think Lamar Jackson was still on the table at that point, but it turned out they took um, Davenport, the defensive end from Texas San Antonio. But those are exceptions. Typically, that kind of a move signals quarterback. 
Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because you know everybody's going to talk about Mac Jones uh, looking like he may go number three to the 49ers and, and what that means for their roster. But but one thing I keep seeing, I've seen it in a couple mocks, and I think there's a decent chance it's going to happen if he falls that far. Is Justin Fields at 15 to the Patriots a real possibility? And man, I like that fit, Charles. I don't know why, but I just Belichick. I, I think he could fit just about anything. But I don't. I don't know that that would be a really good fit, uh, in my opinion. Do you see that happening? And you see in the Patriots kind of making that move? Yeah, it's one of those things that, depending on how you do your mock draft, some people do mocks with trades, mm-hmm. and, and they're very creative that way. And I sit there and I kind of marvel. I was like, "Ooh, your guys' minds—they they work really well." <laughs> Mine doesn't work that well. So when I do a mock, I just do it straight, whatever the yeah. number is. Yeah. But if there is a feel that the Patriots, who have been so ultra aggressive in free agency this offseason, which felt different for the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. That they continue that same vein. And maybe they do get Justin Fields, but maybe they have to go up to get him. Maybe they can't yeah. just sit there at 15 and wait for him. We we never know how a draft's going to fall. We see surprises every year. But with quarterbacks, you always feel like you might have to be more aggressive to go get them rather than just wait. Lamar Jackson was, a, a, again, a, a, another guy that, that I'm not going to say fell as much as, wow, that was a surprise that no one had to really go get him higher. Because remember, Baltimore went back, in, I think, into the first round that year and got him at 32. Yeah. So that was the interesting part. I don't know that we can do that with Fields, although there is a conversation about him maybe making it all the way to 32 with Tampa Bay. But <laughs> I, last thing I would say is you mentioned feel and fit, and you liked it. And I think that what you saw last year and how they ran offense with Cam Newton, my guess is that in your mind you're seeing a Patriots team that adapted to Cam Newton Mm-hmm. can run a quarterback centric with quarterback run game. And probably in your mind, what you're seeing is boy, Justin Fields, he can throw the ball downfield. Yeah. Now put it all together as well as run like Cam. So that's kind of where we are because if Cam is accurate throwing the football last year, the Patriots are in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no doubt. And, and that's without any weapons around him really. And imagine if they were to put some weapons around him, then you get a guy like Fields, Going in that that type of program early, especially as a quarterback, it's uh, I guess I say it puts you on the straight and narrow path when it comes down to preparation. Not that's not a knock against Ohio State, but it's just different up there. And uh, you know everybody's going to talk about Mac number three to the Niners, and that's something we talked about with former uh, Jets GM Mike Tannenbaum yesterday. But uh, there's another storyline to me, and it involves SEC quarterbacks, and that's Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. And when I watch both these guys, the endless, and I understand the Kellen Mond hype, and it's great that you can throw the ball 75 yards in the air. But to me, he really struggled. Not that he's not a good prospect or, or, or can't hack in the NFL, but to me, he has trouble throwing the changeup, making the, the intermediate throws consistently, putting touch on the ball, being able to make the throws in the NFL that don't just require you to throw the 100 mile per hour fastball or, or throw it, you know, 70 yards down the field. Then I look at Kyle Trask operating in an offense. And listen, I understand the weapons. Kyle Pitts, a guy I'm going to ask you about later, Kadarius Tony. Uh, you kind of look around at, at what they had. But I really think his game translates. Uh, he made all the throws last year. He can make the throws to the field. He has a pretty good deep ball, has a really good understanding of that offense. We know Dan Mullen, uh, from a schematic standpoint, is pretty good. When you look at Trask and Mon, uh, I've seen Mon, you know, moving all the way up to the second round, somewhere around there. And, and I'm really not hearing a lot of Kyle Trask other than maybe the Saints take a flyer on him late. Well, what do you think about those two quarterbacks? Am I, am I reaching here? Am I crazy? Or is it just uh, kind of the nature of the beast? No, I don't, I don't think reaching or crazy comes into the conversation. Good. Good. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate that. (laughs) 
we all have to do our own evaluations, you know, and what you see and what I see may be the same, may be different. Maybe we get each other and, and we and we agree to disagree. I mean, that's how evaluations go because mm-hmm. you go across 32 teams and when they turn in their evaluations, you and I both know that sometimes there's some pitch battles behind closed doors yeah. over evaluation of a player. So let's let, let's break it down from what I see. With Kyle Trask, there's a young man who's in Washington now that was in Carolina for a while that was a part-time starter and had people really excited in Kyle Allen. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some similarities in how they play the game, being able to play from the pocket, make good decisions, throw the football accurately and on time, all those things, because Kyle Trask is not going to win the athletic contest, right? He's <laughs> heavy. He's not going to, he's not going to beat you rolling out of the pocket, all of those things. But when you check his backstory and realize this is a kid who never started in high school, Okay, we get a lot of stories, but never started in high school, yet you end up at a Power Five conference <laughs> and are going to New York or would have gone to New York for the Heisman can- Trophy can- uh, ceremony. That's off the charts. And the guy he sat behind is no Humpty either. It's yeah. Houston, yeah. He played at Houston and in, in the University of Miami. So you got to give him credit for that. But he's going to be kind of old school. I'm going to, the, the way I'm going to win the game is strictly from the pocket. You know, mm-hmm. the rest of it, can I make moves in the pocket to create time? Yes, but I'm not going to beat you in a foot race. Now, Kellen Mond, there's times when I watch him on tape and I thought he got better every year at Texas A&M. And one thing you have to keep in mind, if Jimbo Fisher's your head coach, he coaches quarterbacks oh, too. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he coaches them hard, man. Very hard. About as hard as anybody. As hard, as hard, if not harder than anyone. If you can hold up under him and continue to improve, that's a big deal and a big bonus check in, in, in the column for me. Yeah. And I watched that. Here's what I want to see more from Kellen Mond. And maybe it's just a personal thing. I thought he was too, I was trying to come up with the right word, but I felt like he was too tight in everything he did. He was trying to be so fine and so mm-hmm. perfect in every read and every throw that you watch his drop. Okay. And you see how he's, and I'm sure he's coached yeah, this way. Yeah. See that drop and it's very tight. I always felt like when he turned it loose, because you know where he surprised the heck out of me? Different times he would take off and run. And I was like, ooh, he's loose. He's fluid. He's Mm -hmm. athletic. I didn't see that in his drops and in his and in movement in the pocket at times. I like that point. I I think that that if he ever lets that go, and I think that's going to happen on the next level. I don't think he'll be going back doing it as tight as he has been. Who knows? Because the kid's got an arm. The kid is more, way more athletic than I ever thought. I had, I mean, I kept pulling up tape going, oh, did I just mm-hmm. see that? Go back to that bowl game against North Carolina and watch that big run there. Go back to the other, ga- a few other games. You will see it happen, but it's almost surprising coming from that drop to now yeah. that fluidity when he takes off and goes. Yeah, it's almost like watching a major league baseball player that has an unbelievably smooth swing, and then you watch him run down the first, and he can't run straight. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's it, it kind of reminds me of that. And and you know what? Again, he has all the tools and physically. I mean, he's a big guy. Like you said, once he gets loose, he can move. I wonder if there was something, whether it was with his eyes or, or he had the old baseball drop with the arm where he's going underneath it, making the circle to keep his hands up. But you're right, and, and that's such a great point. It's not that he can't do it; it's just that he hasn't done it. And we all know uh, how good Jimbo is. And that offense translates that, that yep. they run, you know, you got some under center you go from the gun and stuff like that. Uh, so it is interesting to see. I just, 
Kyle Trask to me, uh, I just think he's a guy that, that doesn't get talked about enough. And you're right. He's not winning any decathlon. They're not going to ask him to come on the U S Olympic sprint that's team. Not, but that's, not the, that's not the quarterback. Position. That's exactly Matt Castle, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of that play, but he, you know, was a little more in the spotlight, I guess you could say, but Castle, but, but it's a great point, Charles. Uh, it, it really is. And uh, I want to get to some other positions, but before I do, I want to shout out our partners at monsterbass.com. Make sure you use the promo code JBOY10. That's J-B-O-Y-10. You get 15% off their subscription fishing, fishing service. A lot of NFL teams fishing for that right pick. Uh, you, you got a really good chance of getting the right uh, catch if you check out monsterbass.com. It's bass, crappie, mermaids, Loch Ness Monster. Whatever you're fishing for, they've got the bait and tackle, and they'll send it right to your door. That's monsterbass.com. Use the promo code Jboy10 uh, here with Charles Davis from NFL uh, on CBS. Uh, really excited for him taking some time to join us on this NFL draft preview. And we're rolling along here. And and to get into the second round of of this draft here, Charles, when you look at the wide receiver position, we talked about quarterbacks, this, that, and the other, about as deep as it's ever been. I mean, they're saying you could have as many as five SEC wide receivers uh, go in the first round. And and when you're talking about guys like Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore on the back end, then you know there's some really good (laughs) prospects in the front end. And uh, when you look at this group, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Kyle Pitts, which who, to me is a wide receiver, flex wide, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Kadarius Tony, is this the deepest group of wide receivers that you've seen from one league in the draft? Because SEC, I mean, it's unbelievable looking at some of these guys and where they're going to go. It's interesting as heck, isn't it? Because just last year, Bama spent out two yep. with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, right? You also had Van Jefferson coming out of Florida that, that you know, you got in, in, a, in a little bit later round, but he's a guy that I think is going to develop like mad. So there's always going to be depth because the league has adopted, you know, being able to pitch and catch. Yeah. You know, I grew up at a time frame where, you know, the idea that Bama would have all these receivers in the draft, you would have laughed <laughs> at the in school and that's yeah. how Bear Bryant ran things and the whole deal. And now we're talking about every year, they're turning out big time prospects. And every time you look around, you're thinking, my God, that's another Bama receiver. So yeah. And and then as you pointed out the depth of the whole thing, and you're right. When you get Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, Kadarius Tony out of Florida, we're talking about them being later round, first round guys, and maybe Mm -hmm. even getting into the second, depending on how people draft. It's almost shocking, isn't it? But remember, look, Florida was so deep that Trevon Grimes is not even getting any run as an (laughs) engine. And he's a heck of a receiver. And I do love the way that you've classified Kyle Pitts. Maybe we can, he'll have tight end next to his name when he gets drafted, but no one sees him as strictly a tight end. He is a receiver. Yeah. And and I thought Mike Tannenbaum made a great point. Defenses are going to play him like a receiver. That's what they're going to treat him like. Yeah. Yeah. You don't don't run the linebacker out to run with him and, and and keep your base group out when he's out there. Cause that's just, that's a recipe for disaster at that point. You just, you just figure how many yards are we giving up and does he make it to the end zone? Yeah, without a doubt. And I don't think you're going to see Kyle Pitts uh, in line blocking a lot or, or going to kick on the split zone or, or going big on big on the backside of the run game with the defensive end. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of bleeds into my next question. It's a good segue because a lot of people are saying, and, and I understand it, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta right now and I can hear it when I walk outside. A lot of people are saying Kyle Pitts. Uh, speaking of him going at number four to the Falcons. And I know it's a hypothetical Charles, but what is pre-draft? I guess it's all one big hypothetical, but if the, if the Falcons were to take uh, Kyle Pitts at four, do you see them trading Julio Jones? I thought that the Julio, you know, 
I thought the Julio Jones talk about being traded would have heated up more in the off season. I actually mm. thought they were headed that way last year, but what keeps hitting my mind is you remember when Julio got his new contract? Yeah. You remember who was out in front about him getting his new contract? It's the man who signs the checks, Mr. Arthur Blank. Yeah. Yeah. So true. this isn't, this isn't as easy as, Brand new general manager, Terry Fontenot, decide, yeah. hey, I want to make a move. I think there's more to it than that. So, yes, there's a possibility because salary cap, all the other stuff, yes. But Mr. Blank was very vocal about Julio Jones being a Falcon in that contract. So I'm not ready to get that far out there. I think that Julio can stay and you add Kyle Pitts Ooh. and you keep opening up that offense for your yeah. new head coach, Arthur Smith. Can't double everybody. Right. You know, Ridley's out there. Julio's out there. Pitts is out there because remember Austin Hooper was an excellent tight end. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he, is. Yeah, he is. Pitts is so much more athletic and, 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 I'm not, and that's not to, to ding Austin Hooper. This is just reality. This kid is the next iteration. You know, mm-hmm. he, to, he is what I think Evan Ingram was supposed to be with the giants and still can be in a lot of ways, athletic, fast, change the game for you, flex him out, do things. Can I think Pitts can block better. So he can do all those things you'll ask. But as someone said to me, but you're a lousy offensive coordinator if you're going to have him doing more blocking <laughs> and catching, right? That's yeah. just not smart. So he can do that when you ask him to in the run game. He's willing and he's, and he's able. But you're going to ask him to catch the ball way more if you're smart about mm-hmm. it, any team that has a brain. So I could easily see that. But I think Julio could very easily stay with Atlanta and team with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley and continue that march and, and assault on, on, on teams. To me, their problems on defense. I agree. Way more than it is on offense. I agree. And, and, you know, they obviously believe in Matt Ryan. And I wonder just, just right now this morning, uh, you know, before the draft, if Matt Ryan's just sitting in a room with the lights off, like smoking a cigar, just looking at a picture <laughs> of like Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, and, and Austin Hooper. Don't, just don't, a, get the, don't get the soft light on his head. That's exactly right. It's just really just kind of, just kind of bleeding in a little bit, uh, just, just on his face as the smoke leaves. But uh, you know, I mean, that, real quick, you know, what's interesting about Matt Ryan. I love how you said that because you're right. <laughs> I mean, he should be sitting there. Should be almost like have Godfather music playing. That's, that's exactly stroking a cat. <laughs> <laughs> but the other part is he's also had to endure an entire off season where people like me, you know, so many of us. Are out there <laughs> and, hey, they might draft a quarterback at four. Yeah, you know. And if so, I've always said the, to me the ideal guy would be Trey Lance because you've got Matt Ryan there who still can play, and you know, quarterbacks don't like other quarterbacks to be drafted if they're in charge. We know oh, without that. a doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But if you're going to do it, Matt Ryan's the ideal person because no matter how angry he might be behind closed doors, Matt Ryan is incapable of treating anyone poorly if they mm-hmm. treat him well. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He, I, he would be phenomenal for a youngster in there. Now, he's not going to hand it to him. But by the way, he's going to say, you watch me. I'll, I'll give you the benefits of what I've got. I will be good to you. Don't worry about that. I still think I can play. Yeah. You can break in better than having a, a, a cold war sitting in the room where you know that guy doesn't even want you around and he barely acknowledges your presence. Yeah. With that, Matt Ryan would be in, and this is a crazy example, but he, 
in that case, he'd be like a great ex-husband to be friends with the new husband. Like you wouldn't have to worry about any beef. Like he just, he'd just be great. Like, man, let's go get a beer and play golf or something, whatever, whatever. You find, that is true. Hang, you find yourself hanging out, hanging out with the ex more than with. Yeah. Him. And deep down, like behind closed doors, he's really kind of heard about it. Like you were talking about with Trey Lance, but he's not going to let it show. And you know, it's funny you say that Charles, because there has been a couple whispers that all this Kyle Pitt stuff is really just some big trick and they're going to take Trey Lance. I just, I, I don't see it. That would shock me. It's just funny you brought that up because there has been some whispers there. Well, if the whispers are true and they did go quarterback there, Cincinnati is sitting there going over all their scenarios about what do we do at five? Because no matter what Atlanta does. Ooh, Joe Burrow and Kyle Pitts. Ooh. They're sitting there and saying, is Kyle Pitts the guy to go with Joe Burrow? Do we bring Jamar Chase in, who he already has connection with? Or do we protect him with a big guy and, and probably Panay Sewell? Because Anthony Munoz, the legend of the Cincinnati Bengals, has already endorsed Sewell as the pick he thinks they should make. So I don't think you go wrong with it. But Cincinnati's going over all their scenarios about how they're going to go about doing it if it breaks that way for Atlanta. De definitely. And, it, you know, to me, I watched Sewell's film, and, and we're about to get to the quick trigger segment in a second. I'm really pumped about this, even though it's like three questions. But do you think Panay Sewell is about as close to a thing as you can get uh, of a prospect you're not worrying about busting or almost as a lock to come to? Because I watched his tape. And there's not a whole lot of weaknesses there. I mean, the way he's able to move uh, in his sets, the way leverage, man, for a guy that's his size, his leverage is so damn good, Charles. And what I like about him that some people might call a negative is that he's really young. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a positive. You know, some people have talked about this, you know, maturity, and he's just 20, and he's just, that's like, give me <laughs> that. Give me that's two more years, like, man. That's two right? more give years. The person who looks like that at 20. Yeah, didn't play last year, so he doesn't take those hits off of that one. I think I'm gaining some extra time here, and I yeah. think that he's about as legit a prospect as you're going to get at that position. Although many other scouts who are friends of mine, they really love Rashawn Slater, and I love mm -hmm. out of Northwestern. Yeah. I love Rashawn Slater too for his versatility. I think Rashawn Slater can play left tackle and play it well. I think he'd be an ideal guard. And I do believe that I can make him an all pro center too. That's what I think of yeah. Rashawn Slater. Sewell, I'm plugging at left tackle and I'm let's ride. I'm yeah. good. And you know, those Northwestern guys are going to be smart, obviously. Pat Fitzgerald does a really good job. I mean, those guys are, are, are some of the best kids coming out. You don't have to worry about them. And that's the thing going back to kind of Julio Charles, too, as well. I think with Arthur Blank, we all know Julio's a superstar. He's an unbelievable player. But man, off the field, he may be a bigger superstar off the field in the way he conducts himself and teaching those young guys. Talk about Matt Ryan, you know, teaching Trey Lance. Man, if you've got a Kyle Pitts there, what a better, what a better, you couldn't find a better professional to learn from than Julio Jones that encompasses everything. Yeah, I think Calvin Ridley would co-sign on that. Exactly, yeah. That's what happened when they drafted him and how Julio took him under his wing and helped him become a pro faster. And mm -hmm. it wasn't just because of the college connection. That's just who, who Julio is. And you remember the weird part was that rookie year, Calvin Ridley was catching balls and finding the end zone. Yeah. Remember we had that long drought for Julio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teaching him and too I, good, man. Yeah, I remember finally he broke through. I think we had a game in Washington, and he scored – and the whole team left the bench and hugged Julio in the end zone. Yeah. That told me a lot about who Julio was and how and the esteem he was held with on the team. Yeah, and, and he was the one I really hurt for the most when they lost that Super Bowl. I really hurt for him because he's a guy that deserves it and hopefully he gets another chance uh, to get one and, and uh, just because of what he represents. But all right, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, former Tennessee volunteer. Are you ready to step into the Thunderdome of what is Quick Trigger? 
Oh my goodness. You know, when you say step into the Thunderdome, I'm fired up now. Cause hey, I know, man. Step in. They've asked me to step outside so they could kick my behind, but they never asked me to step into the Thunderdome. So let's hey, well, you're always invited into the Thunderdome here. It's only three questions, kind of abbreviated. Uh, interested to, to kind of get uh, your thoughts on these three questions. All right, Charles Davis, quick trigger question number one. Give me your most underrated draft prospect of the whole thing. Who's the most underrated guy you think on the board? Underrated guy on the board. Doesn't matter. You're not even talking first round. You're just no, just in general, just the one that comes to your mind. For me, it's Elijah Moore, even though he may go late first round. Yeah, I love that one. How about Zayvon Collins from Tulsa? Mm, God, he's got a great body type, man. I think he's going to go in the first round, but I think we may look back later and think, man, we should have grabbed him earlier. That guy had phenomenal body speed and every time i turn on the tape the ball ends up in his hand somehow yeah i I watched i can't remember what game that was against tulsa but they were in overtime and he had a pick six to win and i think he returned it like 65 seven just watching him move around at that position and you can move him around uh but that's a great answer all right second question team with the most to gain in the first round i think miami Mm. they have two picks already and they're also in a spot where people may want to come up and do something. So they could very well add a third pick in the first round. Wow. You could get a little Kevin Costner draft day action from the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, Mack, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Third and third. <laughs> third and final question. All these guys are available. You have your pick quarterback, obviously between Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, or Justin Fields, who is Charles Davis drafting? You can pick any of those guys. Trevor Lawrence, not an option. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay true to something that I posted recently about people that I would bang the table for that I absolutely believe in. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance is the most intriguing quarterback wow. to the state. So I'm going to stay true to that. And, and, and here's why. Josh Allen and Trey Lance, their career paths, very similar off the beaten path, lightly recruited for various reasons. You go to schools that aren't known for being the, the, the direct path to the NFL, especially playing the quarterback spot. Um, people doubted their accuracy, didn't believe in them, whole deal. And we saw Josh Allen do something we didn't expect to see in the pros. Increase his pass percentage in three seasons by 16 percentage points. That's not supposed to happen in the NFL, yeah. right? What's the old adage? However accurate you are in college, you can do it a little bit, <laughs> but not much in the NFL because the windows are tighter. The coverage is better, et cetera. 16 percentage points. Yeah. I think Trey Lance has that type of ability. Big body guy, the biggest arm in the draft. Yeah. It's like bringing your batting average up 150 points in, in just a, a short amount of time. But no, that's great answer. Charles, man, great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on. would love to bring you back uh, as we get closer to the season. I know uh, you do an unbelievable job uh, on CBS. Man, whether it's this to you on the video game, anywhere Charles Davis is, uh, <laughs> you get to hear him. Charles, can you tell everybody where they can find your content, man? Because it's great stuff. And uh, it's the big day. It's draft day. Yes, draft time. So looking forward to it. Going to be working with NFL Network again for – double digit years now working on the draft beyond it with uh, the mock draft show on Wednesday night for Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft show and Thursday, Friday, Saturday on the desk for uh, NFL draft coverage. So can't wait for that. And then of course we'll be doing the Madden video game, continuing to work. Oh yeah. And back with NFL and CBS for my second year in the fall. So very excited about all those, uh, those things and very excited to be a part of this. And thanks for having me on. 
anytime. And, and I, I, I told you I'd ask you this, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, your thoughts on the hire. Very excited about Josh and the opportunity. I hope we can get the NCA stuff cleared up for him very mm-hmm. quickly. Um, he's going to run some great offense. And I think anyone who's a skilled position player there should be thrilled to have an opportunity to run offense with him. And uh, let's just hope and get things cleaned up so he can have a chance to, to really compete in the SEC the way that mm-hmm. we're supposed to. But we haven't made it easy for him. I'm just glad he accepted the challenge. <laughs> Definitely. I'm really excited about the Danny White AD hire as well. Charles, thanks that, so much. That's a home run hire right there. It that's, is. A, that's a, that's a big time get it. Remember this, Danny White and Josh Heupel had great jobs where they were. Mm. They're going to win 10, 11 a year and compete for big games. They chose to come to Tennessee. So we're appreciative of that. Definitely. I know big organizations uh, appreciates that. Charles, thanks again, buddy. Appreciate you guys. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Doesn't matter how you're listening to On the Moon with a solo cup and a string. Just make sure you're doing it. Head to thejboyshow.com. Grab some of that merchandise as well. It's been a great pre-draft special. Enjoy your night. Uh, enjoy watching it. Hopefully we keep getting back to some normalcy. It's been another edition of the J-Boy Show. And like Trevor Lawrence said, the number one pick, J-Boy's going, going, gone. The J-Boy Show is produced by David Cohn, Technical Director Dave Hammock, Creative Director David Culbertson, Audio Engineer Faison Sharif, Production Assistants Blaine Crane and Kyle Orr, Executive Producers Jake Crane, Vince Thompson, Steve Chamberlain, and David Cohn. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and visit our website, thejboyshow.com, for updates regarding our newest apparel and merch designs. Win the water cooler with The J-Boy Show.